Hey, welcome back, guys. So today we have another great show for you. We have Julian Pinot. Julian, as many of our listeners will probably already know, is the mastermind behind StrongFit. He is fantastic when it comes to programming, when it comes to rehab and prehab, when it comes to getting strong. Uh, basically, very big on um, training the right way in the way of uh, CrossFit, functional fitness, all this fast exercising, rather than the way that uh, CrossFit have kind of told people to do it. He's basically smarter than uh, smarter than HQ. So, he's great. He's a really fun guy. Got an awesome accent. Sounds like George Saint-Pierre, probably just because he's got a French accent. French people probably think he sounds nothing like him. But I think he sounds like George Saint-Pierre. And I think it's a great show and you'll really enjoy it. This show is brought to you by Carve Guys. Head to www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF to check out what they do. They're a VA service. All of our assistants at AdventureFit are from Carve. And if you want to check them out, outsource some stuff, get some time back in your life, head to www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF and you'll get 10 hours free. Also, guys, we are brought to you by Audible. If you want a free audiobook and a 30-day trial with Audible to check out their service, head to www.audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF. You will not be, uh, you will not regret it, guys. It is my favorite app on my phone. I absolutely love it. I can listen to books when I'm driving my car, when I'm cleaning the house, when I'm going for a run. I don't really run anymore, but if I was to go for a run, it's, uh, it's amazing. So get that information in while you're on the move. And lastly, but not leastly, we are brought to you by AdventureFit Travel. So guys, we're rolling out our uh, AdventureFit Rewards program at the moment and what that is basically is it's about um, getting groups together. So if you're an affiliate owner and you have a group that you can uh, you can put together and get a private trip along, then uh, you can travel for free, pick your own destination and uh, plan who you want to be coached by, who you, what you want to do over there. So uh, if you have any inquiries or any questions about this, email me directly, doc at adventurefittravel.com. Something that we're, uh, we're really big on for the end of the new year is finding some, uh, some affiliates and some, some, uh, some people that want to partner with us and, uh, and provide some trips for their, their clients, for their, uh, their community. And it's going to be great. So doc at adventurefittravel.com if you want more information on that. Everything else that we're up to is on the website, www.adventurefittravel.com. Here is the show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where did we come from? Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to Starting Adventure Fit Radio. Alrighty, yeah, always alrighty, <laughs> Straight guys. Back in the new year, always alrighty, guys. Alrighty, guys. Uh, today we have uh, Julian Pinot <laughs> with us. Uh, we are hanging to get into a conversation with him, but before we uh, before we throw over to Julian and introduce him, we are going to throw to Tommy, as usual, for Tommy's tribute. Hello, uh, bonjour, Julian. <laughs> bonjour, bonjour. Ça va? 
Tout va bien, merci. D'accord, d'accord. Alors, non, je ne vais pas parler français. All right, here we go. Sometimes I feel like I'm not getting strong Sometimes I feel like there's no other way Than to start taking steroids Gear and testosterone Any subs booster is fine by me But then there's this guy who knows how to move He is all about strong fit He's got nothing to prove Tell me, Julian How do I get some muscles uh, As big as yours Cause I don't ever want to be I'm literally a skinny guy at a club Take me on a path to strength Uh So I can get any girl at a pub I don't ever want to be that guy That just can't open marmalade jars Tell me how to get strong legs So I can start squatting cars Yeah Welcome, welcome Julia Hey, that was awesome That is the first I've never been welcome to a podcast through a song That's awesome <laughs> oh, That was actually That was a really good one, Tommy I liked it oh, Your voice was trembling, mate Yeah, my voice uh, You're a bit oh, under God. the weather, mate I'm, uh, I'm in the grill, mate I'm in the grill <laughs> You are right in the grill <laughs> I'm in the furnace Julian, welcome to the show Thank you for having me Cool Hey, why don't you tell us um, Tell us a little bit about yourself um, Tell us a bit about where you're from Obviously, it's a very foreign accent To... Uh, most of our Australian and American listeners. Well, he's Western Australian. He's. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no, the legend is Alain Cove from Paris. <clears throat> uh, let's be honest, I mostly keep the accent for the ladies. Yeah. Uh, it, it still works. Um, so I'm a movement specialist. I, uh, I mean, it's a fancy name to say I fix people, really. And so there's a number of, uh, of issues in the fitness industry that I try to tackle one by one. And the first big one is movement. Because I want to make sure everybody can train, I mean, not like, no, not 100% pain-free, but, you know, mostly in a good way without having to go back to the PT or surgery every so, every so often. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a lot of the industry uh, really uh, revolves around uh, athletes or at least training for athletes where uh, very few coaches, as, as coaches get better, usually they go toward, like, you know, athletes and then as they get better, pro athletes and then, you know. And mm-hmm. so forth and so, and so on, which bothers me always because we're saying like, you know, common people do not deserve better coaches. Mm-hmm. So I'm making it my mission really to try to uh, further the, you know, like all, all the things about movement and training in general, but toward the 99%, not just the pro athletes and such. Awesome. Sick. That's, uh, that's very cool. So what was it that made you, where did this all begin? Where did your... Um, where did your physical training history start and what made you want to um, what made you click into this gear where you wanted to be the best coach in the world but bring that to um, to everybody well the uh, training wise I've always trained I mean I've been in competitive sports at a national level I remember when I was like nine years old with soccer that's when it started and then uh, I've been uh, like a state champion in many different sports Um, actually there was a funny one with uh, with swimming 
um, at my gym, like uh, I had like the Melbourne team, you know, for the CrossFit Games, mm-hmm. come, coming to my gym to train and everything. And I remember like two years ago, they, they, so the team comes and, and the, the, more or less the leader of the team is there. And we start talking about swimming and he's like, yeah, I used to swim as well. I was, I was like, oh, that's cool. Hey, I was a state champion. It was like, oh yeah, that, that's cool. Nice. And he was like, what was your thing? I was, I was like freestyle and butterfly. He was like, yeah, yeah, me too. I was like, oh, that's cool. And so we take a picture. And then the next day, a friend of mine calls me and says, do you know who that guy is? <laughs> I was like, no, I know his first name is Andrew. That's all. He was like, okay, that's Andrew Lotterstein. Then you're the triple gold medalist at Beijing and the guy who beat Michael Phelps. I was like, oh, cool. I was wondering why he had like Olympic ring, Olympic ring tattoos on his ribs. Now I know. <laughs> so I told an Olympic gold medalist I was state champion. So there you go. <laughs> we actually, uh, he's a good friend of ours, uh, Andrew Lord. Yeah, we know, uh, we know yeah. good guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a great, yeah. he's a, he's yeah, a really great good guy. Fella. He's, uh, yeah, he's that, a very attractive man, but he, he knows it. Never, he's an, never he's stopped me man. from talking. <laughs> he's, um, he was like he's, so nice. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. Good for you." Like, you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good for you, dweeb. Yeah, yeah good for you, though. That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> he's, uh, Thank he's God I didn't tell him I was twelve at, at the time. <laughs> yeah, he's a frustrating man, the old Andrew Lauderson. He's, yeah, he's too he's, good looking uh, and too talented to yeah, be. Yeah, that's right. Because he's good at CrossFit as well. And good CrossFit. Got yeah. a good rig. Yeah. Got a very, uh, very, very nice. And he's a nice guy. Good dude. That's the worst thing about it. He's actually you'd you'd want him to be a jerk. Got a hot missus. Yeah. He's got it all. He's got it all. Yep. Fuck that oh, yeah, guy. He's, yeah, he's a really cool guy. Like, yep. that's... I've, I don't... Well, know I, I love swimming, but I don't really follow it. So, looking at no, his attitude, you would never guess who he is. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. Absolutely. That's yep. right. So, um, where were we? We were talking about swimming. Okay, so yeah. So, I did, I, I did um, a lot of sports growing up. And yes. so, and naturally, uh, then I started MMA when I was about 19. Oh, nice. And my first coach made me uh, coach the physical aspect of the class right away. Even, I mean, as, as a white belt. Cause, uh, and, and then I realized I really, really like coaching. Like mm-hmm. right away I felt, uh, I, I could tell you right away, I knew I was a coach before an athlete. I still kept on training and tried to be an athlete. But coaching is something that, um, that's my vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I like competing and everything, coaching is really my thing. And mm, yeah. As I, as I coached more and more and more, I started to notice the same patterns of injuries happening with athletes. And what was killing me was th- those were injuries that were not like sudden. It's not like you got hit in the, in the, in the knee sideways. I mean, yeah. Those were things that were gradually happening to athletes, but to a point where they will always end up with surgery or having to retire on everything. And at some point, I was like, there's got to be, if it gets worse gradually, there's got to be a way to make it better gradually. Yeah. Like the definition of insanity by Einstein. I mean, like doing the same thing over and over again and uh, expecting a different result. Mm-hmm. And, and what I saw really was coaches that did not question themselves as to why their athletes were getting hurt that way. It was like, well, that's the way it is. It's a little bit the, uh, how it works in, a, in this world. It's like when the athlete breaks, most of the coaches are like, well, that, you know, I'm looking for the one that won't break. I'm looking for that one that will be a gold medalist. I'm looking for, I'm like, yeah, like the Chinese do, you know, like if they break a thousand, who cares? Yeah, uh, as long right. as they make one gold medalist. Yeah, and yep. th- that that bothers me. That is not the why I do this. Me, the way I look at it is, anybody who comes into my gym, I will make the the best out of them. I'll make the better version of them, the best version I, of them that I can. But I'm not gonna break any of them in order to fit into my system. Mm. That that's mm-hmm. just not the way I look at coaching. To me, that's not coaching. 
Mm-hmm. And like so, it. yeah, so it bothers me to see all those athletes that had those repetitive injuries where I knew there was a way to fix it. And so what I did is I tried to to find a system where that would work for grandma to, to Andrew with everybody in the middle. And but we first we could uh, we could have an understanding of what movement is so we can address faulty pattern movements. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. What about Andrew? That's really what I do. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, so you were seeing a, the same kind of, it was a correlation between the, the MMA um, gung-ho coaching style till people break as well as um, functional fitness. You, you're kind of seeing the same thing across the board, do you mean, as, as like yeah. training, training in general? Yeah, well, look at Olympic weightlifting, right? Um, there was an argument because I talk about internal torque and everything all the time and there was an, mm-hmm. ar- an argument with uh, guys who were posting on Facebook and those were two top Olympic weightlifting in the US. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, no, I don't teach that. Uh, I just te- teach them to push against the bar. And the other guy was like, yeah, my athletes don't even understand the difference between internal and external. Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was like, then teach them. Then then what the hell are you doing? Like we, we, mm. we deal in, in knowledge, not just yeah. I'm gonna teach you to push against the bar. Yeah. That, that to me is, is, uh, is, the wrong, is the wrong approach to it because what are you saying? That you're only going to coach the one that that naturally do the movement? And so then we're going back to only wanting to have top athletes then. Mm. But that's, that's, you know what I mean? Like then you, you're not teaching movement, you're not coaching people. You just want top athletes to go to go win medals, which I understand, but uh, that's not what I do. Okay. And they, there's a lot of people out there that need coaches that are just think more than, oh yeah, well, just push against the bar. It kills me that they don't seem to care as to why some do it naturally, some don't do it naturally. Like if you have a guy who snatches naturally, of course you need to change it. But what happens when you have a guy that doesn't, that comes and every yeah. time he tries to snatch, his shoulder hurts. Yeah, that's So right. you're, gonna, you're gonna tell him, uh, go, go somewhere else, don't snatch, don't train. You know what I mean? Like that's not, to me well, that's not right. You know, what, you know what I think it is, Julian? I, I, um, I did some coaching in my past and I was somebody who was, um, I would get, very excited by the thought of new knowledge and bettering myself. I was mm. felt like you explained yourself as I felt like a coach before an athlete. Not that I was a good athlete anyway, really, but I always put equal amount of time into each, but I was more passionate about the coaching side. And I remember um, I was coaching with uh, a new coach who would uh, who would come on at the gym I was working at. And he said to me, um, I said, how's it going? Are you really enjoying it? He goes, yeah, no, it's good. I'm, um, I'm having fun. I said, what's next? Like, where are you, where are you, getting, where are you getting more information from? Like, are you going to do this course? Are you thinking about doing some training with this guy? Like, throwing some ideas at him. Yeah. And he said, um, he said nah, no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy. Just, I'm yeah, pretty no, I'm good. Pre- I'm pretty, pretty happy with where I am. And he was very, very novice coach, to say the least. Yeah. And I was dumbfounded. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. But don't you want to go out and get better? Like, how can you be uh, happy with... Well, clearly, where, where, clearly there's no passion in that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just a job for him. I think there's obviously yes. so many people out there that just don't have the same drive to get better is yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, exactly. And it, uh, to me, it kills me because I see, I see a lot of coaches that have that passion that want to fix people. But the industry is driven by the top athletes, by the pros, by the CrossFit Games, by stuff like that. But the, my biggest problem with this is then – then the training is based on those people that can that can afford to to have pain in the morning. That can uh, you know that get away with more because they're such mm-hmm. great athletes. They're so strong. They get away with a lot of stuff. Normal people cannot get away with. But then the industry, the, the programming, all that stuff is driven by those 
genetic freaks and then you're left with the common people coming to your gym getting hurt all the time or mm-hmm. not getting the results they should and yep. people look at them going like yeah well they don't have it I'm yeah. like, I don't give a, I don't give a shit if they have it or not I'm gonna fix them and yeah. so but m- more and more me I'm, I'm focusing about less and less on the top athletes and more and more on just trying to fix people because to me they deserve just as much as everybody else if not more know what I mean like mm, how absolutely. much uh, how much difference can I make in the life of a CrossFit game athlete? Okay, so instead of 11th, they're going to be 8th. Yoo-hoo, great. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when I have the common people that come to me with a bad back, if I can fix that guy, he can play with his kids. He can be nicer. Yeah, to, right. you know, he, he can Somebody be good be at, 50, at his work. 50 kilograms over, overweight, you know, and, yeah. and, and yeah. having, having um, all kinds of um, health problems. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, and, so with, and you're with, helping his family as well. I mean, it's not just him. It's his friends, his kids, his wife. Mm. His, it's actually you, much you know more I mean? important, like, really. Yes, I think so. To, mm. to me, there's no question. But mm. if you look again, like it's a fundamental uh, flaw of the industry. Is like everything we do is based on on uh, on training top athletes. So that's why you have those six weeks cycle. That because it's always like, oh, you have a competition in six weeks, or you have a goal in six weeks, or you have. How about six years? Mm. Yeah, yeah. You, know, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, the, the, not everything is designed for top athletes. We have to design all this for people that have different goals as well. Mm. I think that's one of the good things about CrossFit is that people will initially come to a sport like that and they'll go, "All right, I want to make, uh, I want to make the regionals," and then they uh, they slowly begin to understand just how yeah. many years it takes. And before that, before they know it, it's sort of like CrossFit has sort of become like a, a lifestyle for them, which is why you see so many changes as opposed to people just going to commercial gyms and going, I want to lose 10 kilos. Then they lose 10 kilos. and like, oh, great. And it just doesn't, it's not a lifestyle change. So they don't actually learn to enjoy movement and staying healthier and being better. And Because that's what CrossFit and functional movement ultimately does. That, that, that was the goal. That was the original goal of Greg Glassman was exactly that. Yeah. They got, side, they got sidetracked by the games. But Greg Glassman hates the CrossFit games himself. He says it all the time. His goal was always to, uh, you know, to bring training to common people. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, I think, that, I think the CrossFit gyms do a much better job at this than any, than any other out there. They still, to me, like there's been a push toward the CrossFit game too much in the last few years. Mm-hmm. But most sport. CrossFit gyms understand, yeah, as a sport and not as a training system. But most CrossFit gyms understand that this is not who they have. Yeah. In, in their a, gym. That I, mean, I had so. a good example yeah, of... I had a good example. One of my um, one of my good buddies, um, Will. He actually took over. He was um, manager of a of a box, and then he ended up becoming the affiliate owner. And he didn't write the programming for the first. Um, he didn't write the programming while he was manager, and then he took over the programming once he um, once he became the owner, obviously. Mm. And he mm-hmm. said to me, he said to me, um, he said to me just before he took over and had to start writing the programming. He sent me some programming for the day, and he said. Um, he said, hey, what do you think about this? Just text it to me. And he sent me um, three by three, um, two position snatch from the knees and from the hip, um, hmm. three uh, by four snatch balance, and then something like um, a, a crazy wad with four rounds and like uh, yeah. muscle ups and something else and something else. All the good stuff. Yeah. Oh, so he showed yeah. me that. And, and me, as a guy that was pretty physically decent you know i can do all those movements that's all the shit i like to do because yep. it's challenging it's fun whatever he sent me it and i'm like yeah that's a rad workout he goes yeah but 
And he was he he was asking me about his gym, the general mm. populace. And he texted me back. He used a, a woman, um, a woman by the name of Mary. I'll call her Mary Smith because she has a different name. Yep. He says he said to me, texted me back and said, "Do you think Mary Smith needs to be doing a th- um, two position?" Um, snatches followed by snatch balances on a Monday morning. I don't give a fuck what Mary yeah, Smith yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, You know what I mean? And then, yeah. and then I was like, yeah. oh, well, when you put it like that, yeah. probably 90% of the gym doesn't need that programming nah, at exactly, all. Exactly, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And that's, um, there, there has to be uh, on the community level a bit of a, of a talk on where we're we going with CrossFit. Like, mm. we, you know, like Glassman disappeared for years. Uh, mm. And basically, Tef Castro took his vision, which is he's in charge of the CrossFit Games. So he, his vision took over. But yeah. that was never the point of CrossFit, the training system. So now you have CrossFit, the training system. You have CrossFit, the, the sport. You have yeah. CrossFit HQ. And then you have the community and everything. Like I think HQ owns the CrossFit Games, but we as a community own CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And there's a few things we need to talk about as a community. And, and for example, one of them is stop that push toward the games because that's not helping. That's actually hurting a lot of people. I can tell you from my side that I see shoulder problems as a major issue, the thickening of the lower back, the neck issues are starting to come, the long head of the bicep. There's some like common patterns that I see emerging and that it comes out of that ridiculous high volume training that tries to mimic the regionals. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's not working. Yeah, it's not working. It has so, to be accepted that it's just not working. Here's my thing about that, though, is that um, so the reason I like CrossFit so much is because it constantly demands you to put yourself into a challenging situation. So, yep, like a wad or just a a difficult, a more difficult movement, like getting your first muscle up, all this sort of stuff. And to 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 get that mindset, to get that that never never happy with with who you are and constantly progressing in life and self development really is just such a good skill to have and. I think that I think CrossFit facilitates that really well. The only thing, like we said just then, is that if you're doing too much volume, which is what can happen sometimes when a lot of the community isn't sure about what to do, is that then obviously injuries can come into play. But you were saying before about how that wad, you know, about with Mary Smith and all that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff, muscle ups and snatches, mm. all that sort of stuff. I would have no problem as a coach writing that because I would say, hey, guys, look, this is a level you can get to if you move really well and you keep training, but we can always scale it back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's how it's supposed to be, I suppose. I mean, yeah, it's a good point. Scale. We can always scale it back yeah. as long as you move yeah, yeah. well. No, yeah. yeah, but the, the problem is um, the, the problem is well is the direction this is taking. So mm. I think we can all agree what the body needs is intensity and blood flow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the key of CrossFit has always been high intensity workout, not high volume. The yes. point, and that's that was the base of CrossFit, as you see, is the challenging aspect. That's the high intensity. Yep. The problem with the high intensity, and that's something like the old school CrossFitters have found out, is that if you do that with what I call uh, uh, the high waist, you're going to be in problem. So the waist is W E S. W is for weight bearing, E is for eccentric, S is for skill. If you try to push intensity with a high waist, so either a high weight bearing or high eccentric, high yep. skill, you're putting a tremendous amount of stress on your body and eventually will break down. Yeah. And yeah, so definitely. the key for me is the the lower the waist, the lower the weight bearing, the eccentric and the skill, the higher I can push the intensity the intensity safely. Yeah. Yep. So the, the key is not to change the idea of intensity for CrossFit. On the contrary, which is what's happening right now with the volume. We have going from a high intensity to a high volume program. We can keep with the high intensity, but what happens is as people get broken, 
they had to go towards volume instead of intensity because they just mm. could not push the body any further. Mm. But to me, it just comes down to the choice of exercises, not the idea of CrossFit. I think the idea is great. All we have to do is to understand that certain people have to be lower, lower on the waist scale in order to reach a certain level of intensity without breaking. So there Definitely. are ways to do this. There are ways to push that intensity on a, on a weekly basis without, uh, but without breaking people at the same time. So when you scale, you're going to scale. Uh, it, it's a way to do it, but it's not. It, it might you might reduce the intensity when you do that, because you're still going to yeah, keep the weight definitely. bearing down. But you, the skill is still high, so it's still going to stop them from performing. Yeah. I want to push people to the maximum possible intensity, but to do this, I have to make sure I do not break them. Absolutely. And so yeah. I have different ways of doing this. But to me, the 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 the, the idea of CrossFit was to push the intensity to absurd level. If you remember CrossFit when we all started, it was Fran, it was Grace, it was all that stuff, but mm -hmm. workout where by the last two reps you were dying. That yeah. was the idea of Greg Glassman. Yeah, yeah. What about this, Julian? So what about, um, just to your point there a little bit, what about this mindset that's been drilled in from basically the top down at, at CrossFit where say, say you do have um, Grace, for example, and all these workouts that we do all, you know, that was one of my favorite workouts. Um, yep. You know, fast, high intensity, sharp. But what about this theory of like everything has to be as quick as humanly possible, touching, touch and go every rep, no matter what happens. Do you ever think of? For me, I started. Um, I started weightlifting. I left CrossFit, but towards the end of my CrossFit kind of career, what what I would do is I just stopped doing touch and go reps. I was never going to win the CrossFit Games. But I wanted to do work at a really high intensity. But I wanted to move just well. Singles. Yeah. I just yeah. Wanted to, yeah. So, so I would do things if I had, say, um, Grace is a bad example, or you can use that as an example. But I would just do I would do singles, or if I had, yep. I had, but I could still make sure my heart rate was jacked, and I was regripping the bar every time and setting up well. It was mm. all it all came into play. But I I used to have a problem with the whole gung-ho attitude just everybody's drilled into go as fast as humanly as fast as humanly possible is the first thing in people's minds i i don't think that oh, that's what this is what i believe i but don't I still think th that, i feel like the, the the best athletes these days can do that but they can still move well yeah but this like, is the best change this is the best athlete. Yeah, you said it comes from the top down though no but i'm talking about just for the masses i think oh, for the, the masses yeah I think just... there's too many there's too much emphasis on yeah. speed 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 at all yeah, costs yeah. and that do or die rip your hands never Nazi, give up all Nazi, that kind Nazi. of yeah. um, what do you think about yeah. is that kind of part of the problem do you think yeah it is but if you look uh, if you put grace on the or like elizabeth or stuff like that isabel sorry or stuff like that on the yeah. on the west scale the skill is high that means you cannot push the intensity as much as you would want yeah. And to, so we go back to the choice of exercises. My biggest problem with Grace is it's fairly, so the weight bearing is not great, but it's there. There's very little eccentric, but there's a lot of skill involved to, to do yes. bubble cycling properly. So naturally, it's going gonna, it's gonna to reduce the amount of intensity you can put into it safely. So when I want to kill people, instead of the, uh, that, that idea that to go as fast as humanly possible with Olympic weightlifting, which I disagree completely with, because it's too high of a skill to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you take a prowler, a sled, and you start doing sprints with it, there is no limit to how hard you can try to go at it in a safe way. Absolutely. Like you can, you can take that sled and sprint as fast as humanly possible every yep. single time, as hard as you can until you pass out. You will wake up the next day and you'll have no pain anywhere. 
outside of your face when you fell on the on the <laughs> pavement. <laughs> yeah. So I have exercises like that. Again, the low waist, right? Low waist, low waist. So what? Low weight bearing, low eccentric, low skill means what? Means anything with a sled. So mm -hmm. I'm going to pull a rope attached to a sled. I can drag it. I can sprint it. I can put a harness and do like a. Um, uh, even though it's very heavy, it's still not weight bearing on my structure. Like the truck pull in the world's strongest man. All those exercises are very low skill. They have no eccentric and they're not weight bearing on your structure. So you can push those as hard as you want until literally you pass out and you will never hurt yourself. Mm. So there are ways to do this. Again, where I disagree with them is the choice of exercises. Olympic weightlifting is not a good system to go as fast as humanly possible. No. On. The, the waist is too high. So to mm. me, it always comes down to gauging the exercise on the waist. But you have to understand that the higher the waist, the lower the intensity, basically. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think, um, I think obviously the biggest problem is choosing the exercises and, st and, and having kind of bad coaching out there with bad programming. Yeah, it's the coaching, definitely. How do you go about um, yourself? You seem very passionate about um, always gaining new knowledge and so forth. Julian, where, what do you do? Or what do you recommend to coaches out there? Because there's all these courses that people can do and courses cost money. So, you know, we want to yeah. get these coaches that are that want to educate themselves. We want to get as educated as humanly possible. We want to get as many good coaches in the world as there is, as there can be. What do you do for yourself to gain new information and, and like what resources do you use to better yourself always? I um, None of it has to do with training or right. what I do. I, I just try to get better as a human a little bit every day. You can learn to type on a computer for free. Uh, you know, there's plenty of lessons online. Like it sounds stupid, but this is you making yourself better. Like I've never learned how to type. So I've been, I was like, you're right. This is something where I can get better. I can be better today than I was yesterday by doing something like that every single day. And I do. So I, I do this. I, I, I watch a lot of lectures about quantum mechanics, but that's something that fascinates me. Nice. Um, yeah, there's a guy named Leonard Siskin. He's the Stanford uh, professor of physics, right? Mm -hmm. And all his lectures are on YouTube for free. Ooh, all of them. That's awesome. He has yeah. his entire thing, and he explains quantum mechanics in a way anybody can understand. That's a bit. Sexy. You don't have to be good. At, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to know anything about it to understand. But he starts to go into the complex ideas of you know how come time is a is a one way street. Mm. Um, and then he goes into the mystery of you know quantum mechanics and this, and there's so much stuff out of there. And then forget being good at quantum mechanics. This is just about opening your mind, about becoming a little bit smarter, a little yeah, bit better yeah. today than you were yesterday. You Absolutely. just learned something new. You just made your brain work better. And so I'm, I'm I, I study a lot of neuroscience. And really? there's something called yeah there's something called neuroergonomy, which is very interesting to me because it's the art of presenting knowledge in an accessible way. Mm -hmm. And so it's fascinating because like they do stuff like us, uh, the, the point of neuroergonomy is, is, uh, is to explain that the brain can connect parts of, of itself that are not designed for a certain task, but if they connect together, they become that much stronger. So I'll explain. Uh, mm -hmm. You have those guys that are memory champions, right? Mm -hmm. yep. um, they can remember like some ridiculous stuff. The way they do it is they don't just use the memory part, the short-term memory part of the brain. They're going to use part of the brain that is actually responsible for movement or stuff like that. They're basically going to use parts of the brain that have nothing to do with the task at hand. But mm. by connecting those two, they increase the capacity of the brain to do more work. 
And right. so you can train that. You can train to memorize things by just by doing association of number with letters or things like that. So mm-hmm. those are things that you can do every day that doesn't cost you a dime and that mm. makes you a little bit smarter every single time. So I read a lot about stuff like that. So because I read about basically improving yourself. And if you improve yourself as a, uh, even as a human being, like if you care more as a coach, you, you already became better. So better yourself, it doesn't cost any money, but every single day just become better than you were yesterday. Find something, it doesn't matter what it is, just find something, just become better at it. And you do that every single day with that mindset and you'll become a better coach because you'll become more curious about everything in life. You'll become smarter, you'll become you know, more enlightened. That will make you a better coach right away. Not everything is about uh, learning the snatch or even about training or stuff like that. The, more, the, the biggest battle it's just, it's just about becoming a better person, a better human being, Definitely. and someone that, care, that cares more, that wants to help everyone, and that has nothing to do with training, and this is free, man. You don't need to pay anything for that. 100%. And then that, that way, you're bettering yourself for dealing with people, because that's the, the yes. biggest part of it is, is dealing it is. with, you know, getting people to respond to you and, yep. and, and want to work with you and, and know what you're saying to them. You know, there's so many people out there with so much knowledge that have no way that have terrible communication skills and people skills and, and life skills exactly. and, they're, they're, and, and it's all uh, useless. Yeah, yeah and that, that was the world in your ergonomy that I like so much was accessible mm-hmm. uh, knowledge. That means, that means like knowledge you can actually share to other people that they will integrate in their lives. Who cares that you're right if you can't explain it to anybody? And that's, that's, right. uh, that, that's the thing. Like, um, so Francois the first was a king of France a long time ago. Francois and he the sucked first, the king of France. Francois the first king oh, of France. I have a mate named Francois from France, actually. Yeah. And I used to give him heaps about it. Was he the king oh, of France? We oui, oui, Francois from France. <laughs> oh, where's your yeah, oui, oui. <laughs> We don't say we oui, oui, by the way. I don't know where that yeah. comes from. But yeah, yeah, that's strange, isn't it? <laughs> Go on, Francois from France. And Sorry. so um, <laughs> he, was the, he was the king of France and he was really, really bad at school. Like he mm-hmm. sucked. Like in, so bad that, the, you know, something the king of France could not do. And so uh, what they did, they hired Leonardo da Vinci. Good to man. teach him, uh, that another pretty cool name. Um, yeah. And <laughs> what Leonardo da Vinci uh, did basically is he mentored Francois the First. He didn't try to teach him because he realized that wasn't working. He mentored him. He tried to find ways to keep Francois the First interested, to make him want to learn more. And through the years, Francois the First became excessively successful in that in that system to the point mm. that he created the first university in Paris and call him literally the first university. And he was based on the, on, on the mentoring system that Leonardo da Vinci showed him. So uh, the, the, the entire idea of college after school was that was a mentoring system because it works better to share knowledge. We, you, I, a PhD that just sits you for six hours and explain to you the letters does nothing. To me, the key is to mentor people forward. Yeah. And that's what a coach should be. It's not, CrossFit is not just about snatching, it's about making them healthier. Then you have to mentor them into that. You can't just tell them, go do that. Nobody has ever, for example, lost 20 kilos by being told to stop eating carbs. Mm. It doesn't work like that. You have to mentor people. You have to look at the psychological aspect. There's many, many different layers going into mm. you know, being, uh, being able to make people successful at, at, at what they want. So. It's not just uh, th- that you know that book that you that you read that that system that they sell you for six weeks and everything. it goes mm. much further than that. We have to basically deal with human beings. Stop dealing with systems and methods and paper. Deal with human beings. It's just about taking that guy at your gym and make him better. What if and 
there are so many ways to do this and not everything is training related. I mean, and so all this you can learn this is not learned necessarily in books. I mean, books mm. help, obviously, but it, it goes way past that. It's, it's about mentoring people, not just teaching them the ABC. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. We, we had a good um, conversation with Ben Bergeron mm. at one point who talked a lot about did it did it, I'm pretty sure Tommy he mentioned that he um, had like um, meditation practices that he recommended to all his yeah. clients right yeah definitely so, so, he, so, so he would obviously that's one step hmm. furthering people's just happiness in their lives or their, their mindfulness and and going that extra yep. and, and it's making that personal connection trying to like I know I want to make you fitter I know I want to make you stronger but let's mm. let's get better as people it's you know? lifestyle coaching yes. though really isn't it yeah and I it think should great, be anyway yeah I think the great way the great thing about meditation is be, like especially mindfulness meditation is because you learn so much more about yourself mm. and like you may it's like oh fuck I just can't lose weight it's like well actually the, the, the reason is because maybe this happened as a kid or something mm. and now you're just yeah. habitually tuned into to not doing this or you, yeah, you don't yeah, even yeah. know the habits you do as a person and when you when you find out more about who you are it's almost like you break all the walls down and then you start from scratch okay cool now I know who I am now I know how I work with certain things now I can try to lose weight or whatever mm, it is yeah, yeah. you know yeah yeah um, it's, it's the only way to do it it's yeah. the only way that works like anybody you've heard who lost like 100 kilos or whatever they always had they can always tell you they had that one moment where suddenly mm. they realize like oh okay like that they, they found their mm. why mm. like they I tell why, exactly. all the time it's about the why and the how never the yes. what Yep, don't focus exactly. on the what. Focus on the why and the how. And all those people that lost, like like the ridiculous amount of weight, they always tell you they had that moment where they found their why. Usually because yeah. they got scared of dying or they wanted to be around for their kids or whatever. But they all have that why. And But before that moment, it, whatever they were doing was useless. And the second they found their why, then they're on the road to success. It's always like that, man. It's yeah. about the why and the how, always. So that's why we have to communicate is to try to get people to find their why. Absolutely. So is that some of the things that you, because uh, something that I struggle with myself is just um, putting in habit, putting new habits into place. Like I, I always tell myself that I should be meditating more every day. Or I should be eating a little better here and there. And it always seems to sort of go to shit. Apart from the why, how do you sort of help people, uh, Julian, with their, you know, sort of making new lifestyle habits? Well, that's the thing is you, um, everything is a game of association. I mean, so the, the key for me is you can't, it's like passion. You can't teach passion. You can't really, um, you can't make it happen. I mean, it's there or, or it's not. So the key is to, uh, for me, is always to find uh, what intrinsically motivates people. Everybody has certain things they're good at. There are certain things they're more passionate than others and everything. And I try to create association based on that. Like the, the best success I had at my gym was a guy who came to me, was 60 years old. And he... Uh, he had never trained a day in his life. Just to give you an idea, mm. he could not squat to a 60 inch, to a 60 centimeters box without wow. falling sure. like that bad. I mean, so a step away from breaking everything. Yeah. But he came to my gym three times a week for five years and missed very few sessions. Why? Because he wanted to be around for his kid's 40th birthday because he had, he had his, his son late in life when he was 45. And yeah. he was like, when my kid turns 40, I want to be there. And so we created the, the entire thing based on that. So I never told him like six weeks from now. We never had goals that were like, you're going to deadlift 315. Or you go, that was never the goals. The goals yeah. were always like, okay, we need this to be better. Why? Because otherwise this will break. 
and then 20 years from now, this will happen. That was always the way we built everything forward. It was never designed, his training was never designed uh, uh, on performance. It mm. was always about, uh, you need to feel better, you need to be healthy going up and down the stairs. And But five years down the road, he's doing a uh, 180 pound uh, uh, sandbag squat. 130-pound sandbag front squat. This sure is someone who could not even touch parallel before. Mm, I mean, mm. and he's breaking. He's done 13 strict pull-ups, 30 push-ups. So, but I never. That was never the goal. I never yeah. got him to go like one day I'm going to make you do 30 push-ups and, thir- and 13 pull-ups. That was never yeah. the idea. It was always. It was always toward what talked to him as a person, which was you're going to be better five years from now that you were today, and yeah. that's going to allow you to play with your kid to be around when he's 25, when he has, you know, when he brings that girl home. And that talked to him, that connected with him on the level that, that men go like, I'm gonna come back tomorrow to train. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's the key, man. It was never performance. He could not care less about doing a muscle up. Yeah. He, he does not care. But if I try to make him do a muscle up for the next six months, it's gonna discourage him because he's suddenly he's gonna fail at something, instead of being successful, he's gonna to start to go, but why am I trying to do this? I hurt my shoulder every time, now I can't do this, or I can't play with my kid. You, you, you know what I mean? So you have to understand, it's not, a, it's not about you as a coach, it's about the people you have. Mm. It's that, I, me, I remember in Star Wars, in uh, The Empire Strikes Back, when uh, Luke Skywalker is in Dagobah with Yoda, and then he looks <laughs> at a dark cave. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And then he asks he asked Yoda, what will I find in there? And Yoda tells him, whatever you bring with you. Or, and, or he says, bring with you what you will. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I, to me, that's, that's the greatest thing because that's what as a coach you, you have to understand is don't bring, your th- don't bring yourself in this. Mm. This mm-hmm. isn't about you. Mm-hmm. This is the peop- about the people you train. Don't bring your stuff into that cave. Let, just try to go out there without without yourself and yeah. see what your people need. It's about them, not you. Yeah, so yeah. A, a lot of time, I just, it's just the association is the connection with people. I'm like, okay, what is it that moves you forward? And then we can, you know, like we can go somewhere from there. But yeah. being able to make a muscle up is not gonna motivate you for life to be healthy. That's, it can be like a, a step, just a fun stuff on the way. But I mean, that wasn't, for example, for Michael, that wasn't what was driving him. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I always had this idea that um, everyone should have a goal of making it to regionals, whether they actually do or don't. Because I mean, like even, um, even the example, the yeah, example, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I mean, there's masters. Because I mean, like <laughs> the, the the idea is to you know constantly improve on yourself and uh, maybe maybe not have it in the back of their minds like, all right, one day I'm going to make regionals. But I guess the whole thing about CrossFit is like constantly improving. Until you may potentially be good enough to compete at uh, regionals, you know. You're a like, nerd, oh, Tommy. Oh, okay, but you're cross- a nerd, man. I'm a loser. <laughs> Go on, Julian. Yeah, but co- constantly, constantly improving for what though? That, well, that's I the mean, problem. Uh, is like you need to find your why. Is uh, making wait, it to regionals the goal? Like not everybody has that goal. Yeah, constantly yeah, improving. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. But to some people, that goal will n- just not be a motivation factor. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly you kind of have right. to. It's like you got to find what's motivating for the person. Yeah, it's like yeah. trying to trying to sell something to someone. You exactly, have to, you have to find out what they what motivates them. Exactly. I'm not a salesman, but I've been studying a lot you about have been sales. Sold something before. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got to fight. You got to connect. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. You got <laughs> to you got to figure out what their passion is and yeah. and how you can help them get to that. You know, See, that's all part yeah. of it. And this is the same thing as making making sure people come through the door. I suppose. Yeah. Is you got to you got to find that why. So that's true. Um. So. Yourself, um, Julian, in your gym, what do you um, what do you do with um, say you've got an athlete, and obviously you're covering off on um, the programming and, and making sure that they're um, looking after themselves. But what about kind of rehabilitation and stuff that you see out there? Are you how much of that do you rehab and prehab? Do you program or do you recommend for your athletes? Um, and what do you think about like where that is in the industry? Uh, I mostly do uh, prehab and rehab now. That's mostly yep. what I do because uh, I had I had athletes that came to me where, I mean, uh, you know, they came to me like uh, top athletes. They, they always come to me when it's too late, honestly. So it's it's a lot more rehab than prehab. But uh, I had I remember I don't Olympic weightlifter. She snatched uh, 97 kilos, right? She could not feel the bar in her left hand. Right. Really? Like she had so much stuff going on with her neck. She she could not she had no feelings in her fingers. Jeez. And she could literally not feel the barbell in her hand. And I was like, okay, sure. And uh, okay. but so and the coach and basically the coach was telling her, look, unless either you're broken and you go see a PT or you keep on training. And I was like, are you guys insane? Mm. You, she's 23 years old. You have, you have someone who could go to the Olympics. She's yeah. 23 years old, and you're telling her that either she breaks. Or she keeps on training. I, to, to me, that, that is the most insane thing I've, 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 I, I, I hear, not I've heard, unfortunately, that I hear on a regular basis is this, mm-hmm. is going to, to those kind of lengths without ever stopping to realize there is a problem somewhere. And so I ended up doing a lot more prehab and as much as I can in rehab a lot in order to make sure that the people that I see can actually train without you know, going down uh, the road of surgery two years later. Yeah. So this is mostly what I do now. I don't have my gym anymore because I'm going on seminars all over the world. But mm-hmm. um, wherever I am, I can tell you that the people that come to me, it's assessment because their shoulder is getting is falling off. Their neck is getting pinched every single time they put the bar overhead. That's what I mostly see. And mm. a lot of it is about fixing it by changing the movement patterns, not not by doing like a typical PT work of muscle, you know, massage or stuff like that. It's just like you are moving incorrectly. If mm-hmm. you are moving incorrectly with at, at a high intensity with those weights, you're going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not rocket science. You just, you know, it's going to happen every time. But that's the thing with, with CrossFit is that, that that thing about like constantly pushing and constantly makes, makes and then they all rely on anxiety a lot to yeah. push forward. It makes them kind of unaware of how, what the difference is between pushing through being uncomfortable and really fucking yourself up. Yeah. And See, that's that an interesting there's a very make. fine line right there. Yeah. Mm. I've, I've, I've often thought that about sort of what motivates the, the best of the best. And I sort of came to the, the conclusion that there there is a little bit of anxiety or there's a bit of fear oh, yeah. that, that motivates them. It's like, what if I don't... Um, you know, what, what if I don't actually make it to the game? So what if I don't make it to regionals? And I, I know for me personally, going from someone that did have a lot of anxiety 
that now is that doesn't have barely any, any at all. It's almost as if my uh, my my push has almost gone a bit. Like my I'm a lot yep. happier in life, but my push to to just train every day and, and do this and that every day is gone a bit because I'm like I'm more than happy to say, ah, oh, fuck it, I can't be bothered today. The so, world's not going to crumble around nah, you if you don't make it to regionals. It's, it's going to be fine. Yeah, mm. I can tell you that the best crossfitter. Uh, the best crossfitters are the most anxious ones. Yeah. Like yeah. I can always tell you someone who's a god crossfitter by their level of anxiety, especially the female athletes. Mm. The one that I've met, they're all ball of, of anxiety, but that pushes them to the gym three times a day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so that's great. It's their fuel. So I don't want to take it away because it is their fuel and they, that's who they are as, as, as a person. But yeah. then what you need is a coach in the back going like, okay, but you can't raise your arm overhead. That's a problem. Yeah. That's different from uh, I need I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wuss. I'm, I need to push harder. When you get to that moment where your shoulder is not functioning properly anymore, that's a whole different ball game, though. Mm. I mean, so if we're gonna push people to those levels of volume and intensity and weight and all that stuff, then we have to make sure we have a system in place to ensure that the body can take it. And so that's really what I've been doing is going around saying, guys, the system the way it is with CrossFit is not designed for the body to take that punishment for so long. We need to have something in place that is uh, more balanced, that is better built, or at least an assistance program on the side and things like this to make sure that the body takes the, the beating. Because right now, there's certain movement patterns that are creating certain very specific problems within CrossFit, and mm. nobody's talking about it. Because, you know, with anxiety stuff, it's like, well, if I stop, I'm going to lose all my gains. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drop two pounds on my snatch or whatever. So they refuse. It, it, just, there's that mentality right now, just plowing forward. But plowing forward eventually leads you into a wall. And so I'm trying to get out there saying, no, I'm not saying you to, telling you to stop. I'm just saying, how about we add things to CrossFit? I don't want to take away anything. I want to add things to it so that we can do it in a way that your body can take it so that a year from now, you're still doing CrossFit. So I have a little bit of a, you know, of a different perspective when it comes to that. Because if you just ask CrossFitter what they want to do, all they want to do is push right now as hard as they can, <laughs> yeah, which nice. is great. But there has yeah. to there has there, there has to be ways to also build the body so it can take the next level. So, and and what are some of those things then? Like some actionable things. Like so, if you, you're talking about like the prehab and the rehab, but you, you're also mentioning there's a lot of auxiliary exercises that you'd like to see out there in the in the crossfit world what do you think is the most underdeveloped part of the body or, or like the biggest problem that doesn't get enough uh, enough work in the general um crossfit industry uh the one, the, the one i see the most are the lats actually the really. lats. Okay. yeah we're talking latissimus dorsi we're not talking mm-hmm. upper back if you look yep. at uh most of the exercise that are being done in crossfit they're done in the sagittal plane everything goes up up mm-hmm. and down mm-hmm. that's it right there's nothing in the frontal plane so toward and away from you there's nothing uh left versus right there's nothing that is turn based like we don't there's no tr- uh, uh rotation uh work in crossfit basically mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the but the biggest one that i see are the lats like everybody they're using their upper back to do pulling motions. You can see that because everybody, for example, on pull-ups, they're shrugging. Yeah. Like if you if you take people from the back when they do pull-ups, you'll see that they shrug their shoulders as high as they can to go up. That means they are using their traps to pull, mm. not their lats anymore. Mm. The job of the lats is to keep your shoulders down. You cannot fully activate your lats by sh- uh, while shrugging. It's physically impossible. So you, c- you see that as a pattern where people shrug on their pull-ups that tells you 
that they're just trying to bring their elbows back and use their traps and upper back to pull themselves instead of their lats. Mm. That, that comes from the fact there is no activation of the lats in the frontal plane, which is really what they are, where they're designed for. So the, the problem with this is that means you're gonna overdevelop the traps like crazy. That means you're gonna load the traps anytime you can. And so anytime you have weight overhead, you're gonna shrug as well. Mm. And so yeah, you're putting even more weight on your, on, uh, more pressure on your neck. And the problem developed like this into neck issues and shoulder issues because the lat, the latissimus dorsi is just not developed properly. There's a very funny test that I see, that I, that I do at all my seminars is you take a, a muscular female crossfitter, right? And ask her to spread her lats like they do in bodybuilding. You know, yeah. like at the shows, yeah, 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 yeah. Ask, ask her to spread her lats. They cannot do it. They are incapable of spreading their lats. Every single time they do, they retract the shoulder. Mm. And you'll see that they engage their traps like crazy and that their shoulder actually comes in instead of out. Instead of protracting the shoulders out and spreading the lats, every time they squeeze, they actually retract the shoulder and load their traps. They cannot spread their lats. Go at the gym, try it. It's the funniest thing. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, most crossfitters, especially female crossfitters, cannot find their lats. It's the second largest muscle group of the body. That's mm. a problem. If mm. I tell you squeeze your quads and you can't, you would say, oh my God, that's so bad. It's yeah. the same thing with the lats. Mm. And so that, that is, but that leads to tremendous problems because the lat is a structure for the shoulders, for anything that is pressing overhead, for your deadlift, for, you need the lats for everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah And so now, now that they underdevelop, it's creating a massive amount of problems. And so there, there are issues like that, there are more than one, but that to me is the one that scares me the most right now because it's leading to a number of issues like this. Mm. Mm. One of the um, one yeah. of the cues I started um, training at a powerlifting gym just recently, just for a bit of fun. And one of the one of the first cues they say when you're deadlifting, when you're sitting up on the bar, is to lock your lats down, yeah. squeeze your lats, lock your lats down to yeah. to to, and it obviously to create that rigid structure of your whole upper body. Yep. And it feels exactly. weird to, to, to somebody who's used to crossfitting and Olympic weightlifting, yeah. but that's the number one go-to. It's like, if you've got that locked down, then your upper body is solid, it's tight. Yeah. It's yep. If your upper back's a little rounded or whatever, like, you know, you Still can get tight. away with it because yeah. you're, 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 you're rigid and you're engaged pretty much everywhere nearly. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, totally. But the, the, the problem is we, get, we are at the stage where most people cannot do that. If you yeah. say lock your lats down, they have no idea what you mean. They cannot mm. physically do it. I kid you not. Like I have a lot of uh, crossfitters, they cannot engage. Your, the second you say that, they go to their traps, which make them round their upper back even more. Mm. Mm. So it's, they can't do it. That's, that's the problem. Is I agree that we have to lock the lats, but how do you do it with people that can't find them in the first place? If you can't even spread your legs and just squeeze the muscle, how are you going to lock them into place when you deadlift? Yeah, right. You won't. And so all the cues in the world will not help you if you don't activate them first. And so without all the basic work in the bag of making your lats work, all the cues in the world will never help you. And that's why you have people like keep hurting themselves and the coach is like, I told you to do this. They can't do it. Yeah, they yeah, can't they find can't. the muscle. So we have to go at that first. We yeah. have to have exercises in the programming that allows people to develop muscle so at, at least they can find them. Yeah, it's interesting. That's hey, the Julie, biggest issue. Yeah. What are your thoughts yeah. on, uh, on the keeping pull-up? And, uh, and the keeping hand sample yeah. shot, that sort of stuff. Well, keeping pull-ups uh, is one thing. The butterfly is the worst. Because the butterfly, you don't even need to use your lats anymore. Because mm. you're floating enough, and then when you catch at that angle, you can almost use your chest to do it. So it's turning the lats off even more completely. And mm. so I understand the need for it to go fast. But um, 
I'm not against necessarily the butterfly, all of stuff like that. I really don't think it's a good movement for people. But uh, at the, at the, then at the minimum, if you do that, you're going to have to work on your strict pull-ups and doing lat pull-downs at the gym. At yeah, the minimum, yeah. to make sure that the muscle keep working. Yeah, as long as sure. you do that, then the, the but the butterfly and the keeping pull-up, that's that's almost like it's a sport thing. It's yeah. just so you can go you can go faster doing med counts. This is uh, it, it's not a, it's not part of the training system. It's part of the sport, really. Yeah, and yeah. I have no problem. I, have, I don't necessarily have a problem against it as long as you do the work on the side that is necessary to keep your lats activated. But mm-hmm. just let's be honest. Let's not call it a pull-up anymore. The butterfly yeah. is something else. It's just not a pull-up. Yeah. So don't think for a second you're doing enough work for your lats by doing a hundred butterfly pull-ups. You're mm-hmm. not. That's just not enough. And then the butterfly, honestly, the keeping handstand push-ups, I don't like. Because they just, they land on their necks all the time. All that stuff is just out. Mm-hmm. I mean, out. definitely does hurt when you land on your neck. Um, do you think that, so, um, so I'm assuming you've been to a lot of CrossFit gyms. Um, yeah. Is it, uh, do you fail to see in the in the programming just the amount of accessories that are required to actually keep the body healthy? Do you just see a lot of wads and a lot of CrossFit-specific programming where, in actual fact, the the, the bodybuilding and, the, and the, the full range sort of accessories are, if not just as important, if not more important? Yeah, it, it is just as important as more, as you say. Yeah. Uh, it's starting. Like, uh, honestly, it's getting way better because I remember, like, five years ago when I was saying the same thing, people were laughing in my face saying this is CrossFit, we don't need assistance work, we don't. So the, the talk has changed about this. It's getting much, much better about it. And this, so some gyms implement like full-blown assistance work on the side. Others try to put it in workouts, which doesn't work, obviously, because mm. uh, then the form goes to shit. But yep. I think at least now it's not, an, uh, it's not an ugly word anymore. Assistance work is not something you whisper in the back of the gym mm. when nobody's listening. You know what I mean? They say, hey, do you want to do some? <laughs> um, it's like drugs. You know I mean? Like, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now it's actually accepted that you should do some. And yes. so I think more and more gym are starting to implement it. So uh, that's good. But now we need to have a discussion about how to do it correctly. That's mm. something also I've been doing a lot because uh, there are ways to put this, for example, like, so the problem with the lats, right? So we need to work in a frontal plane we need to work like in a supinated because everything in CrossFit is a pronated grip. So we need to work supinated as well. We need to work the left arm versus the right arm to make sure everything is balanced. Yep. So if I do rope pulls attached to a sled, right? If I, if I pull, rope, uh, pull the rope attached to a sled as hard as I can, I've done the left arm versus the right arm. I've done a supinated grip. I've, I engage my lats in, a pro, in the frontal plane and I'm doing it with very low weight bearing, with very mm. low eccentric and very low skill. So I've gained intensity, I've gained blood flow, and I've gained balancing the body. So mm. out of that one exercise, I can fix already a lot of things, right? And that is an exercise because of the low skill nature of it that I can use in a class system. So you, you know mm. what I mean? We, we can, it's, it, it's not always as complicated mm-hmm. as going to the global gym and doing light pull down. Some of it we can do within a class, and structure it in a way that everybody can jump in. Mm. And you start to do that exercise. Your lats, almost within a few weeks already, you'll see tremendous progress in people's shoulders. And because they'll stop engaging the traps so much. And so you're just letting the body do its things correctly suddenly. Yeah. And so there, there are ways to do this. So, so how do you um, how do you try and, like, maximizing bang for your buck, this is the thing that 
that I worry about. So in yeah. the gyms that I've coached in, South Melbourne, um, Richmond, really um, really um, affluent, well, pretty affluent areas, lots of young professionals coming in from work or before work. So they've got an hour. They need to get in, get out, get to work, you know. So yep. how do you try and teach these people um, or what do you actually do? do you, you're like, right, guys, you got to get in here at least 20 minutes early and you got to mm. do this, this and this. Like how do you sell it to people to add an extra 30 minutes to their day, an extra 40 minutes to their day? And what gets the best bang for their buck if they only have that tiny little bit of time that they're going to give up outside of the one hour? Well, how do you sell it to them? You educate them always. Mm -hmm. You spend five, 10 minutes every single session explaining to people why they're supposed to do what they do, uh, why they're going to get better on everything. So we have to have the entire system in place to explain to them uh, what is it that they're supposed to do, but more importantly, why is it that they're supposed to do it? Like, again, we go back yep. to the why and the how, right? You have, to exp- you have to tell people, look, like, I understand you only have an hour and everything, but understand that every time you come, you do like a hard 30-minute medcon. A year from now, your shoulder is going to start aching, and they don't want that either. They just, they just want, like, that, that's a little bit uh, part of the issue is people get in and they just want to sweat for 30 minutes and leave. And I'm like, that's great. But if we do it in an unbalanced way, a year from now, your knee is going to hurt, your shoulder is going to mm. hurt. You, no one, nobody wants that. Nobody has a goal that a year from now, my shoulder is going to fall off. No, mm. absolutely not. So um, th- it comes also on the coach to spend five, 10 minutes uh, every single session explaining the why they should do certain things. People misunderstand greatly the importance of a five-minute explanation every time. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it, it's, it's, of, it's a tremendous value to just take five minutes of your time and explain to people why they do things. But after that, you, there, there are ways to do this in a very efficient way. Like, I was talking about the rope pull, right? So the rope pull, you can, do, you can fix so much just with one exercise. The, the key is to, is to look at the programming and realize where the imbalances are. And so you realize in CrossFit, the problem is mostly the planes of movement. There's no rotation, there's no frontal, stuff like that. So you need exercises that can, uh, that can do that. And that this is why I chose the strongman movement so much because they allow me to work in different, uh, in dip- different planes of movement. So you don't have to take away anything that they do. You just want to add better exercises to yeah. fix them as they go or at least to make sure they don't break as they go. Yeah. So a lot of it is instead of a snatch, maybe you're gonna maybe you're gonna carry a yoke overhead instead of, you know, like doing deadlift. Maybe we can pull the rope. Maybe we can. You need to engage the glutes instead of doing thrusters. Maybe we can do prowler sprints. You can still do that workout. You can still gre- create tremendous amount of intensity and blood flow. It's just a matter of choosing the exercises correctly to make sure that we balance the body. The body only seeks to be to seeks balance. It doesn't care that you do CrossFit. It just wants balance first. So we need to make sure we balance all the planes of movement, the types of contraction, uh, the types of movement that they are. And if we can do that within the spirit of CrossFit, then we have the best system possible. But it requires, first of all, you to spend five minutes as a coach explaining to your, to your people why you do what you do and how you do it. And after that, he's balancing things correctly, understanding the true nature of movement. And between those two, I can make anything fit in an hour. Mm. I, I don't need that long. So, I wonder why none of the uh, I wonder why none of that movement really came into CrossFit. 
why it was such a. Well, it was very su- new though. Such an up, but but now it's not. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. it's we're so far down the line. People like Julian going around. Pe- people yeah. that are very educated now that have come across that either work for CrossFit HQ or mm. or work on their own, developing their own brand, teaching how to train better. But it's still none of none of that mm. um, side to side. None of that. Um, um, yes. That the other plane, the yeah, frontal yeah. plane, frontal you know, plane, sagittal um, plane. Yeah, yeah. Like, when do you do you think that'll do you think that'll actually change? Julian, like, is there is there uh, a, 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 in because it's not changing at the top, you know, you're not seeing it in the in the workouts that they announce and the and the CrossFit games. Is it changing at the mm. gr- grassroots level at all, or yeah, are we still just this out of, is the out of only work? way. Yeah, this is the only way things change in CrossFit is at the grassroots level. HQ's HQ is. I don't know if it's arrogance. I don't know what oh, it they is are. that they just refuse arrogant. to. Arrogant, yeah, this is so arrogant. Arrogant. Perfect, perfect word yeah. for it. I and can't stand CrossFit HQ. I can't well. stand anything about. Mm. The way they run things, but that's a whole other no. story. Yeah, but, but so, but again, that, but so, I think everything in CrossFit, and I think that's the greatest strength of CrossFit, is it happens at the at the grassroots level. I think HQ owns the yeah. CrossFit Games, but we, the community, own CrossFit. Yeah, and so everything starts at the at the grassroots level, as you were saying, and so that takes a little bit longer, obviously, and you don't necessarily see it because people don't post about it as much or do stuff like that, but. I can tell you from going to a lot of places, it's happening. It's just happening in a very quiet way because uh, HQ makes fun of that kind of stuff, makes fun of assistance work for the longest time, uh, made fun of Global Gym. I still don't understand why. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were, so it's, it's still like almost like a dirty world, but people are starting to, to implement it. They do a lot more strongmen. I see the, the exercises that I like the most, like the overhead yoke carry, the rope pulls being used yep. in, a, in, in a lot of gyms worldwide now. So it's happening. It's just happening in a very quiet way because cross, because HQ is not endorsing it because it's not, there's still people that think it's not CrossFit to do that stuff. But I'm yeah. like, look, high intensity, constantly varied functional movement. A, a sled sprint is CrossFit then. Mm. Yep. Nobody said it has to be uh, snatches and butterfly pull-ups. That's right. Like, let's, yeah. let's go back to the spirit of CrossFit, to the original idea. And the original idea was high intensity, functional movements. I'm like, then guess what? Strongman works better. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What I've often thought is, uh, would CrossFit ever w- take away or take this knowledge that people like yourself are, are taking around the world and go, oh, shit, maybe actually this exercise isn't <laughs> that good for the longevity of the No, the they'll never do that. Definitely the they never won't. They definitely won't. But no. uh, it really is my hope they'll take away the pistol because I fucking hate no that exercise. There's, there's, there's no cycle. way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's one thing with them is they're incapable of saying, whoops, I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there was a video about, because I've been going at to internal talk on the snatch versus external for, for a while now. Mm-hmm. And uh, CrossFit weightlifting, is starting to put videos about engaging their lats more, which uh, more uh, lats, less traps, which yeah, I, yeah. I've been saying for a long time. More lats, and less so, traps. Yeah, more traps, yeah. so less traps, more lats. Yeah. That, that's not what they used to say. They used to say you have to have active solo that used to shrug. Shrug, uh, shrug, shrug. Yeah, remember, that was yeah. the number one cue. Okay, Richie, so now Richie Patterson saying, said the same thing, actually. He, he said, Richie Patterson said he yeah. noticed the change in CrossFit's terminology and getting rid of the word shrug, easy yeah. traps, easy traps, easy yeah. traps. Okay, I can tell you why. Because my, Mike Bergener, Coach Bergener, came to a camp of mine that was in Victor's uh, last August, and I was explaining why we have to have internal rotation, internal talk, sorry, and uh, to engage properly. It was like, and in front of everybody, it was like, you know what? You're right. 
I was wrong. I thought external rotation. I was wrong about that. And then we started to have a conversation and mm. it's moving forward. So I'm winning on this. But then suddenly on the so CrossFit weightlifting, they say more lats, less traps, because they can't say, what I want them to do is engage your pecs. I won't say engage your lats, but engage your pec as well. If you engage right. your pec, you go to our internal torque. That's a pushing mechanism. That's what we want on the snatch. If you yeah. want, I can go over the explanation as to why. But, uh, uh, yeah. do you want so me to? That would, yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, okay, so you have two movement patterns for the upper body. You have a pull and you have a push, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, look at evolution 101. The human body was created, uh, the upper body was created either to pull or to push. A rotation is a pull on one side, a push on the other, right? Yeah. So everything is a push, a pull or a push. When you pull, you create torque externally, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You grab a dumbbell, you pull, you're going to notice like naturally you want to create a torque at the, at the, um, at the humerus in order to, uh, to, to engage the lats, uh, yep. to engage the lats better. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. yes. So that's external torque. Okay. So a push is the opposite of a pull, obviously. So a push is going to be on, internal torque. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Say that last bit again. So, sorry. <laughs> Yeah. You idiot. Good one, Tommy. We'll Thanks, have to mate. cut that, that gag out. Yeah, we probably will. Tommy <laughs> tried to make a joke in the middle of your explanation, Julian. Yeah, just, we, yeah, there you go. It up. <laughs> and so, so uh, internal torque, right, for pushing. You're thinking a punch. You've seen people punch naturally. They don't necessarily rotate the shoulder, but they create torque toward internal, uh, toward internal rotation. Like mm-hmm, you yes. can see uh, the, the way people punch, the way people throw. The way people, uh, if you were to push a car naturally, you would try to engage the pec as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. It's like grabbing dumbbells and pressing dumbbells. You're going toward internal torque, not external torque. So yes. now, find me a movement when you push, any movement where you're stronger going toward external than internal. Mm. Mm. I can't think exactly. of one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There is none. Okay. okay. So now, okay. let me ask you this. When you hold a snatch overhead, is that a pull or is that a push? When you're holding it overhead, push. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's interesting. So why are you doing external talk on a push? Oh, that's really interesting because I've always been – so Bill and I used to coach together and we'd always make the same – you know, we'd always Cute. say hold the dinner plates. Yeah. So try to show the armpit forward or try to externally yep. rotate the shoulder. And yet if I'm pushing up overhead – so are you saying that, that by trying to externally rotate, we're not only losing talk, we're also creating potential injury? You are, I'm, and I'm, it's exactly what I'm saying. So now, yeah. do something. Put your arm overhead and externally rotate the shoulder. Yep. Right, Doing okay. Have, yeah. yeah, have uh, someone push against that arm. So try to push an arm forward from this position. Oh, like you're pushing it. a wall away. Tommy's, Tommy's doing it to me. I'm pushing in and my pants <laughs> okay, are okay. up. <laughs> so t- Tommy, like, he, okay, so he has his arm overhead, right? Yeah. Push, push his arm backwards, and then you're going to fight him. Oh, yeah. In order to fight him, you need to engage your, your chest, right? Your yeah, pec. yeah, yeah. I'm feeling my pecs. Yep. Okay. Look, look at the bicep. You see that internal torque? Yeah. Okay. Go external now. Okay. And you lose all power. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot weaker for me, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm all for Shit. showing the armpits because I want you to engage your lats. But you cannot do that with forcefully externally rotating the shoulders because then you take all the pec, you take all the pressing mechanism out of the equation. Yeah, yeah, And your yeah. shoulder now is in a really bad spot. Yeah, it, yeah. Jeez, that's interesting, and so, isn't it? Because you took the pec and the short head of the bicep away. Look at mm. gymnastics. 
gymnastics is all short head of the bicep yeah. take uh, in, in order to in, to create that internal torque yeah why is the snatch the only movement out there that is a push done in an externally rotated way where everything else goes toward internal torque the only mm. thing that i would say with that is if the weight's bearing down on me and i'm trying to think about internal rotation i just feel mm-hmm. like my, my shoulder safety is it's much more compromised if i'm rolling the shoulder forward when there's like 100 100 plus kilos bearing down on it you know no, I don't want you to rotate the shoulder, but you also have to understand, you have not developed the mobility necessary for that movement because yeah. you work toward the pulling movement by externally rotating the entire time. So you yes. develop the mobility, which is range, range of motion while maintaining torque. That's that makes, what mobility yeah, yeah. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Range of motion is flexibility. Mobility is range of motion while maintaining torque. Mm. So you work on the, on the torque at that range of motion, but externally rotating, therefore yeah. working on your pull. You've never worked on your push in that particular, you, so you don't have the mobility on the pushing motion mm. to hold the weight overhead while engaging the chest and, and the short head of the bicep correctly. Mm. That will come, but the problem is for the entire career, you've been taught to externally rotate that shoulder yeah, when yeah. you should try to engage the pec instead. And so yeah. it's very important to understand concepts like that, otherwise your shoulder is gonna, be, uh, is gonna do all the work without getting any help from the pressing mechanism, which is the short head of the bicep and the pen. Mm. Why would you wanna take those two out anyway? Yeah. And so that creates a number of injuries. And, and let alone, I mean, it's, it's stopping people from really PBing their, their movements. I mean, think about yes. how much better you'd be if you've got really strong position overhead. Exactly, and so imagine what you do your, to your T-spine when you yeah. externally rotate the shoulder so much. That's why people have neck problems. Mm. It's because they load their T-spine so much and their, and their traps, so less lats, more traps. Now you shrug the bar, and of course people have major shoulder problems. The shoulder is put in a very unadvantageous position that goes against evolution. Evolution gave, gave us uh, joints that work a certain way. You yep. cannot go against that. Yes, Yep. And yet, when, you, when you're being taught to externally rotate, that's exactly what you're doing. You're, going, you're trying to press in a pulling mechanism. You're going against evolution. You will never win this. And so, <laughs> that was my argument with Coach Bergener, who agreed with me. And then here comes Olymp- so CrossFit weightlifting, who yep. keeps saying, so now they're saying more lats. At least they're saying don't shrug anymore. So, yeah. it's starting to change. But what they're going to say next is engage the pec. Because then yeah. they'll go back to what I'm saying now, but without saying that I said it. So because that was the argument I was having because yeah. they, were, they were showing that external rotation and then someone tagged me on the video for uh, CrossFit Olympic weightlifting. So I yeah. start saying, I like, how come you're, you're doing that? In a pool? So I go through the argument and the argument was like, you're right, you're right, I agree with you, but this is now how we teach newbies. Like new uh, beginners, we're gonna teach them that way because they can't find their lats uh, any other way. And then they went on like this. And mm. so I was like, so what you're telling me is you're going to teach people wrong mm. so you can teach <laughs> them the start, right yeah, yeah. later the on. When you, had, when you had them at a, at a blank canvas. Yeah, yeah exactly. Let's, yeah. let's, let's mold the them all so they're the most malleable Let's make sure that we do it wrong first. <laughs> and then on top of it, are you saying people are that stupid? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to speak very slow yeah, yeah. and very loud and uh, you're going to do things wrong. But don't worry, one day you'll be very <laughs> smart like me That's right. and you'll be able to do it correctly. I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, so spend yeah, 10 minutes explaining to people. If your people are too stupid to understand internal rotation, it's your fault, not mm. them. Mm. That means you have not taught them correctly. You are not dealing in knowledge. 
teach yeah. your people, coach them. Just then spend five minutes explaining the difference between torque and rotation, between internal versus external, and why teach evolution and why we, we need to create internal torque when we press. So spend five minutes at every session about that so they, so they can ingest that and everything. But stop considering people too stupid to understand those concepts. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and that they don't need to know. That, that, that's what kills me when people say, oh, they don't need to that to do it. Yes, they need to know. People always need to be smarter. Yeah, absolutely. Always. This is your job as a coach is to make people better. So yes, they need to know. And you need to, to make them know. You know what I mean? And so... But so the CrossFit weightlifting is starting that change toward um, creating like engaging the peg. But because of their arrogance, they just can't do it right away. And so in the meantime, so now we have we have more lats, less traps, and we have that concept of uh, we're going to teach them wrong first, but later on we'll teach them better. <laughs> that uh, annoys so, me so much. Yeah, it's, so, yeah. it's so funny all the stuff that you would see um, taught in the early days of CrossFit and all, across all their seminars and then. I remember doing the uh, the level one seminar and they taught me a pull up and then I went and did the gymnastics seminar and they're like, oh yeah, nah, forget everything they yeah. taught you in the level one. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, well, what, what the fuck's going on but, here but, then? But, but, hang but, hang yeah. a second. And then yeah, I'm but like, they still can't they still can't do it. They still can't say it or change it. Yeah, I know, but I'm like, but but I'm like, okay, so you're happy to have your original course yeah. absolutely contradicted by the higher powers, yeah. the yeah. actual professional gymnasts. But like you say, yeah. to your point, you're too stubborn to go. Well, actually, what we what we yeah. actually do, you know, it's it's just um, it's really crazy. What other things frustrate you the most, Julian? You sound so passionate about this one point. What what's another one that gets you um, fired right up that you can? Okay, break the so policy? we have the same problem for the lower body. It's external torque on a hinge pattern. And then that's, that's Kelly Starrett 101. He mm-hmm. went at it very hard. He actually mm-hmm. wrote an article like a month ago for Men's Health where he explains why you have to squat with your feet forward. Yeah. So first of all, if you say everybody needs to squat the same way, you lost me. Like I, I'm going to quote Star Wars again, but only the Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I can tell. Um, I can tell you're a real. Um, you're a real Star Wars so man. I, Have you seen? Are you into Star Wars? <laughs> I like it. I like Rather, Star Wars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like Yoda, let's be honest. We're, but, um, we're speaking the same university. <laughs> we, you have two movement patterns for the, for the lower body. That's the squat and the hinge, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so a squat is external torque. Why? Because that external torque and rotation at the hip allows you to lock your A-side joint, mm-hmm. stabilize your hips so you can transfer the power of your legs into your upper body without losing any balance um, on top. So literally, external, the point of external torque is to kill the swivel at the hip so that you can transfer the power of your legs into your upper body, mm-hmm. yeah. right? That's the point of external torque. Yep. So you, it's basically a, hin, a, a swivel killer. Okay, what is a hinge? A hinge is a swivel at the hip. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. a hinge is. So mm-hmm. if you externally torque to hinge, you kill the swivel. You can't hinge anymore. That's the point. So in order to hinge properly, you need to create internal torque, not external. Right. Okay. I'm following. I'm yeah, following yeah, along. Yeah. Following slowly, along. Yeah. <laughs> let me give you an example. <laughs> let me give you an example. <laughs> like the, the sprint is a pure hinge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen a guy sprinting externally rotated? <laughs> no. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair, a really that's good point. point. That, yeah. oh, I have. I have. And they run really fucking very slowly. slowly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very, yeah. very slowly. Only the kid that's getting apples yeah. thrown out of the playground. Or something. I did see him, and he died. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, so, shit. 
you, you'll see them like trying to create torque <laughs> internally. They don't externally rotate like Michael Johnson, Tin Shoes losing external rotation. Yeah. So it's all about internal torque on hinging patterns, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now tell me, what's a deadlift? Uh, picking, picking up something off the ground in a uh, in a strong in a hinge pattern in a hinge pattern. Yep. And so what so what happens if you uh, if you hinge externally with creating external torque? Because it's important because I will explain to you why there's so much uh, back problems. Yeah, yeah. If you if you try to hinge in an external torque, that means you kill the swivel. The second you kill the swivel, your your hips cannot do the work anymore. So now you're going to require your spine to do it. So now instead of hinging, you're doing a flexion extension of the spine. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a back extension. So instead of when you do, if you do a deadlift while creating external torque, instead of letting the swivel do the work, you're going to for, force your spine to do the work. And that's what you see in, in CrossFit where people end up doing like flexion of the spine and then yeah. really forceful extension. And then they develop those very thick lower back that you see, those shark mm. fins that you see in CrossFit. The that's QLs. why. Yeah. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. I always thought, yeah, that, yeah okay. So, so QLs. So, because I, I, I was someone that had overdeveloped QLs definitely, and ever since I started strengthening up my ass, it's sort of I just don't rely on my lower back as much anymore. Yeah, you know, but like, that's but as you have more glutes, you can naturally hinge better. Yeah. you can naturally swivel better. Yes, and so in order to uh, and the the glute the glute major is an extender extensor as well. Yes, yes, and so everything goes toward internal torque. Yeah, yeah. And the, but the problem is, if you look at Kelly Starrett, like he tells you to squat with your feet forward yep. in order to help to help with your sprinting. But I'm like, a squat is not a hinge. Mm. It's like saying I'm going to work on my pulling to to better my pushing. Mm. Those yeah. are opposite movement patterns. Yeah. On the squat, you're supposed to you're supposed to work on external torque. On a hinge, you're supposed to work on internal torque. Mm. And so most of the talk in the industry, if you look, is always toward external. We never talk about internal torque, either. So by the way, a kettlebell swing, that's a pure hinge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you would want to be, to be creating torque internally. And yet look at people, when they do kettlebell swings, their knees just shut out like crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're going into an external torque to create a hinge pattern. So what happens, they do flexion extension of the spine on kettlebell swing instead of doing a swivel at the hip. Mm. And so that, that basically makes their lower back work so hard. One of the biggest things and, I found interesting about Kelly Starrett's um, way of teaching was the the pictures that he had in his book Supple Leopard, which I've actually got a lot from. It's a it's a great book, but a lot of the pictures, like you said before, was any sort of um, hinging or squatting movement or pulling off the floor. The uh, the chicks I can't remember I can't remember her name. Diane Fu. Yeah, that's right, Diane mm. Fu. Her her feet were so far forward, but her knees were pushed out so far. Yeah, he copped a yeah. lot of lot well, flack for that. I it was like that. he said, because it was it like was... he said, put your feet put your feet reasonably narrow yeah, yeah. and push your legs out as yeah. far as you can humanly possibly yeah. do it. And we're gonna take a photo of it, we're gonna put it in the book. And then we'll just put it in the book, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he, he was talking about like creating like tons of torque through uh through the hip because of that. But I would just assume that Valgus or Vera's fault, like if your knees are too far in or too far out, you're going to cop some sort of injury, you know? Yeah, but again, like that brings the question, like how come nobody else does it? If yeah. I take the top thousand squatters in the world, none of them squat like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, like, that, That's exactly. the argument he was making was like, well, you know, like those people, they put more weight on the bar, but therefore, and I'm like, therefore what? Yeah. You, so you are saying that evolution gave us a, struct, a, a bone structure that works one way, but yeah. a muscle structure that works another one. 
that in order to lift heavier, we have, we have to do it incorrectly. Mm. <laughs> really? Yeah, so so yeah. you do, you're saying evolution fucked up that bad? Yeah, yeah. And, and you're also we you're are also... capable of doing more weight, but in an incorrect form. What, yeah. Whereas you you alone know how to do it correctly. I'm like, oh come on. Yeah, exactly. We, we were we were planning on getting Kelly Starrett on the show, but yeah. we just we scrapped him. We cooked fuck, him. See you later, Kelly Starrett. <laughs> yeah, Kelly who? <laughs> Kelly Star Wars. <laughs> um, One of the biggest things I always found interesting as well. It's a bit of a tangent, but um, I was speaking to a PT who I used to work with, and she used to say, "You know, it's funny. You 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 teach uh, your clients how to brace so differently to the way I teach mine." I was like, "Oh, really? Like, how do you teach yours?" Well. Well, uh, the way I teach mine is, uh, you know, I, 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 te- I teach them to, to suck the belly into their rib cage and, you know, and breathe out as they, as they go down in the squat. And I was like, oh, okay, so, so, so that's good for you. But uh, the person who's got four million kilos on their back <laughs> should do it a different way. Should, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, yes. So, <laughs> so, so you don't reckon that this person should know how to brace even more safely than than her? Uh, yeah, CrossFit sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's exactly that. Yeah. It's just bizarre, isn't it? But I mean, but it's, uh, like every truth has to be placed in its context. Yeah. Exactly. Always. That's mm-hmm. just a foundation of of uh, philosophy, really. Yeah. Uh, you are telling me you can describe movement or body positioning without talking about evolution. How? Mm, yeah. Took us 200,000 years to get here. Don't you think we have guidelines and rules we yeah. have to basically kind of go go by? Mm, it, yeah, it's just, you, you know what I mean? Like we, we are moving a certain way. It is what it is. You're not going to go around that. And so that's all those PTs are trying to recreate. They look at the body on a, you know, on joint positioning that is still. And I'm like, but... Any movement, uh, there is no, you're never still in nature. At least you're fighting gravity. You're either yeah. pulling or pushing. You're either squatting or hinging. But there is no such thing as a body not moving. Mm. So you you talk about the, the arm overhead and everything, but you're not explaining to me whether the person is pulling or pushing. Yeah. Movement drives joint positioning, not the other way around. To me, fundamentally, the, the, the base argument that they give you is wrong. And again, the arrogance that they have to basically explain to you that uh, their way is the right way, but yet every single athlete or like even like just athletic person in the world does it a different way. Yeah. Like the the squat with the knees out. Like who does it? Mm. Because I've seen in powerlifting, I've never seen one person squat like this. Mm. Yeah, so you're saying words. what? Like your way is better, but their way is crap. And yet they squat twice as much weight as you do. Yeah, that's, that's at, the at, big at thing. At some points, I'm, and not one person either. Like we're talking thousands. Yeah. So they're all doing it wrong. You're doing it right with your 300 pounds, but they're all doing it uh, wrong with your 900 yeah, yeah. Doesn't that sound weird? <laughs> it's yeah, like I, uh, got, uh, I got told off by Robert Cabas <laughs> the other day. Rob's an um, Olympic. Uh, Olympic silver medalist weightlifter. Yeah, and, um, and yeah. I was I was squatting, driving the knees out. This is like when I very first started at Phoenix, the weightlifting club. Did you say the other day? Uh, By the yeah. other day, I mean fourteen years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, anyway, I uh, squatting with my knees out, and he said, "What are you squatting with your knees so far out for?" I was like, uh, um, uh, "I he, don't he know." He said, "Just, just, just go up and down. Yeah, sit just, up and sit yeah. up and down. Yeah." You know, yep. Just, just that's all he said. Just sit up and down. Well, that's, how like, we just, oh, okay. that's how we're born that's to do it. That's how yeah, we're born to move. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, 
Um, it's, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm yeah. still fighting that, by the way. I had to fix every crossfitter that came into my gym. I had to fix their squats because they were all doing it. Like narrow yeah. stance, knees completely out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, hips straight on top of the ankle, which means you can't use your ass correctly. Yeah. Uh, for most people, maybe some can, but most people cannot use their glutes properly mm. with their hips directly on top of their ankle with their knees so far out forward. Yeah. Most of them had knee pain. None of them can, could squat heavy. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. It's like, uh, like oh, look at all the other guys. They're not squatting like this. Mm. But mm. uh, every time they come back and they say, yeah, but that's the way the body is built. I'm like, no, no, it's not. I'm sorry, but that is just, no, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's literally like driving the wrong way up a freeway and going, why the fuck are all yeah. these people driving the wrong way? Exactly. <laughs> oh, look at all those morons going the wrong way. Yeah. What a bunch of fuckheads. What a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. So, uh, so Julian, have you ever yourself um, uh, involved yourself with CrossFit? Like, have you, have you done wads? Have you, have you experimented with it? Uh, what, what sort of, what's your own training look like? Oh yeah, no, no, I do. Uh, uh, but to me, um, CrossFit just tapped into something that was there already. I yeah. like CrossFit. It's not my favorite kind of pain. I'm better at um, shorter. Oh yeah, that's yep. the way I'm built, I guess. Yep. Like I won't, I won't do Murph. That's for sure. Oh, but yeah. uh, screw that. I, I love Grace. I love all those short workouts. I even like Helen. I did uh, Helen oh, yeah. under nine minutes. I that's believe. That's good. Uh, so I, I, I like uh, I like all those workouts a lot. Uh, was it under eight minutes or nine minutes? I don't remember. It'd be very good. <laughs> That'd be up. Yeah, no, I was actually. We'll go with that at four. Yeah, we'll give yeah. you the benefit of the doubt. I can't. Yeah. I, I, I cannot go past ten minutes though. That's it. I'm done after that. Honestly, yeah, 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 like yeah. Helen was about the longest I could do. But yeah. I like that workout. It's just um, I have a tendency to do more. Like uh, again, to me, the point is to get intensity and blood flow. Yeah, for sure. That's really what the point is. So I like to do that with sleds more. I yeah, love okay. the sled work. Yeah, I, I like pulling them with a the rope. I like, you know, like the like a truck pull. Yeah. So we call that like the the harness. Uh, the harness. I like sprinting. I like dragging it heavy and stuff like that. So I like uh, sandbags a lot. So I do uh, a lot of the same kind of high intensity functional movement workout. So the idea of CrossFit, I just do not necessarily like the barbell to do it. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But I, I love the fact that they implement gymnastics, all that stuff. I think it's great. I, I love CrossFit. I love, I love the training system. My only problem is sometimes is the choice of exercises. I just don't think the barbell and um, Olympic weightlifting is the best fit for CrossFit. If mm. we look at what the idea was, what the principles of CrossFit are, then to me, the barbell and Olympic weightlifting is not the best fit. Mm. That makes sense. Mm. Definitely. That makes sense. So I love to do it. I just do it with sleds and sandbags and stuff like that. Yeah. So mm. you, still, you still have a fair rig. <laughs> I still well, that didn't, I, and, didn't go down well at all, Tommy. Yeah, that didn't go down. Yeah. Uh, Julian's like, oh, no, that, you, was, you that was kind of weird. A, I have a shit rig. <laughs> um, sorry for creeping you out there, Julian. Yeah, hey, so, I got um, too excited. Julian, we might go to uh, we might we might um, throw to six from six. Have you got uh, you got some time for three questions from yep. me, three questions from Tommy to wrap it up? Yeah. Bring cool. it on. Cool, brother. All right, so um, are you a well-traveled man, Julian? Yep. <laughs> He's okay. in Barcelona right now. He's uh, from yeah. France. He's yeah. been to Australia. S silly, silly question. <laughs> I think but, you've been um, to a few. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my question to you is, um, what is your favorite travel destination on the planet? can be anywhere. Big uh, big town, can be a small... Um, it can be a small place. Oh, that's a continent. hard one. Um, I've seen... Uh, there's a few places I really like. Uh, Holland was, I love the people there. 
It was the very humble people, very, uh, I, I loved, it was a very interesting place to go, was Holland for the people. Uh, I liked, Dubai was very interesting for the energy. Uh, yeah, because they, they, yeah, they, they're pushing forward very much, so it was, was very interesting in that sense. Um, I like Rome because they have the best leather. I bought, I bought the nicest shoes ever there. Nice. So I'm very happy about that. Mm. Um, so it, it depends for what, basically. I have um, spots, but like this year, I'm going to manage to go to a lot of countries I've never been to, like Australia. Nice. I'm coming to you guys. I'm yep. going to go like to to Asia. I'm going to go to a lot of those places. So ask me that question a year from now and I'll be able to tell you. Well, we, we will. We will do it again. We'll get you back on the uh, show, my friend. Yeah. So my uh, my next question's similar uh, similar vein. So what is your dream destination? Where's somewhere you haven't been that you is the absolute top of your bucket list? Uh, there is one I really want to see, I got to say. It's called the Vadu Island. It's um, They have a private resort. You know, it's that beach that has the, the phosphorescent... Uh, plankton, uh, um, where I you go in the, the water. Phosphor- yeah, I know of the phosphorus uh, and plankton. I've had friends that have done diving in um, in that kind of um, scenario, and they said it's the greatest yeah. thing. Greatest thing, night, yeah. night diving. In, oh, um, beautiful. In yeah, that. and yeah, so yeah. there's there's a private island called Vadu Islands. It's a, they have a resort there. It's a private island, private resort, and everything. So middle of uh, in the Maldives. I really want to go there because um, first of all, the island is as you can imagine gorgeous, but. I want to be able to go swim in that one night. That must be that must be ridiculous. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, I, I had a friend tell me a friend of mine, Liz, did it with her boyfriend, um, and they dove maybe six meters down or something like that, and they were able to sit on the bottom of the ocean uh, and took all their air out, sat on the bottom of the ocean, and they they whacked, they flapped their hands and whacked the bot- the um, the sand next mm, to them, and yeah. the plankton came up, and it was like. You can only imagine pitch black, uh, pitch darkness with just all these amazing colors, and you were just. Oh. They, she said it was the craziest thing she's ever seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That see, moments like that. Yeah, that, that's what life is about, right there. It's something like that you will that that will be printed in your brain for to the yep. day you die. Yeah, absolutely. That I want. That I want to do. Absolutely, Damn, that's and so cool. My uh, my final question is: um, any books that you like to recommend to people? They can be um, uh, a graphic novel. They can be uh, they can be uh, um, an encyclopedia. They can be anything. Well, they, 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 there's a few. Like actually, we started a book club with uh, with Strong Fit, and the first one that I, that I gave was something called the Black Hole Wars. Okay. The Black Hole War. Sorry, it was Leonard Siskin, so the the quantum physics guy, mm-hmm. and he he proved that Stephen Hawking was wrong about right. something took him 15 years to do it but out of that came some crazy new idea like the world is a hologram a, a bunch of new stuff they talk about in physics but the the great thing about this book is that it doesn't matter if you if you suck at physics and math you can still understand yeah it'll give you a better understanding of, of the physics of the world but it will also show you how little we understand mm. and how complex the world is outside of us oh yeah and it, to me, every time I love those books because it opens my mind to, to to things like this where, no, we don't know shit. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good. And it's good. I, um, I read a book called uh, The Physics of the Impossible by Miki Okaku, the, the physicist. And uh, yeah. that was so entertaining because it was such high-level physics. It was basically breaking down um, everything that we think is impossible and how mm. close to reality it is and things that we're actually doing. There's three levels of, of in, uh, impossibility in this book. Um but it actually breaks it down in layman's terms. I was reading a physics book 
as an idiot. Yeah. And I was enthralled. I'm like, I'm, I know what's going on here. See, that's uh, that's, yeah. that's what I need to do. Like, I, I, I read um, Stephen Hawkins' A Brief History in Time. We've got to get you back on the show, Julian. We're just going to have a yeah, completely a club session. different conversation to what we did today. Yeah. We'll just talk about all this stuff. This is what Bill and I love the most. Yeah. Um, we, we're losers. <laughs> um, you included, Julian. Yeah, you're a loser as well, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, it's so important, like to to break down layman's terms. So you actually understood most of it, did you? Mm, not not really. But you understood I, the you basic understood tenets of it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you it was, the, the but you see, I remember I was talking about neuroergonomy, the art of presenting knowledge in an accessible yeah, that's way. Right. Yeah. that's what they do. That's see, right. and so now, even if you if you don't understand the math of it, yep. you understand the concept. Mm. So now you have a better understanding of the universe and how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what it's about. That's mentoring for you. Like that guy mentored you forward. He allowed you to have a better understanding of the world. This that there's no price to this. Mm, exactly. And that's what neuroergonomy is: is mm. managing to explain those concepts in a way that people can actually use. Because you could have a PhD writing that book with the mathematical equation, and by page number two, you quit going like, "Dude, I, I don't understand any yeah. of this." Yeah. Well, so come on. he did. Keep, go easy. I'm but <laughs> pretty good. He maths. got it. Yeah. He got it to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He get, he got it to you in a form that you could uh, understand, and that's why I love Leonard Leonard Siskin. He's he's able to do that. He's able yeah. to explain to you how it works, even yeah. though those are excessively complex ideas. In terms you can actually understand. I don't understand the math of it, but I understand the concepts. Yeah. And so those books to me are, are tremendously uh, invaluable. Like they make you they make you smarter and they make yeah, you they look do. at the world correctly. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely. Right. I think um, a really good way to do it is if if you can explain it to a kid, then you have a good grasp of it. Yeah, you can yeah, really right. lame yeah, it down. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, exactly. Uh, and that's that. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to jump into my uh, my first question, yeah. Julian. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. What do you like to do when you have some spare time? Um, that means when I'm not training or not working. Yeah. Correct. I, um, so we do, uh, I love to, obviously I take, spend a lot of time with my daughter whenever I can. Yep. And then the next thing we do is, uh, Richard is the, my, my right hand man. Richard is the best at this. He finds like awesome places for us to go eat at. So we always nice. find the best restaurants for lunch and dinner. And, uh, we have such like last night we went to a great, we're in Barcelona right now. We went to a bar, to a restaurant that was where the food was amazing. Right. Yeah. And they just kept bringing us the food. And then from there, the guy took us upstairs to a VIP bar that you can only enter through invitation. And then we had, uh, there was live music, but then the bartender comes and he asks you not even what you want to drink. He said, what do you like? Do you like citrus? Do you like sweet? And then he makes you drinks as, as he goes. That's and cool. so, oh man, that was such a cool evening. So that yeah, I love I love good food. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really cool. Beautiful, man. Hey, uh, what about a uh, a big inspiration that you look up to, or someone that you used to look up to? Uh, the biggest inspiration inspiration in my life was my brother. He's mm. been dead twenty years, but uh, he was the sharpest mind I've ever met, the smartest person I've ever met. Mm. Um, he was a smart one, and. Uh, he, he was. He taught me how to think properly. He taught me how to process information. He was. Uh, uh, we were. We had like 18 years. He was my half brother. So we were 18 years difference. Wow. But he really. He's the one who mentored me in life into becoming smarter. So without mm. him, uh, there's no way I could do what I do. So he was by far my biggest influence. Nice. Cool. Uh, okay. Cool. And uh, finally, Julian, if you can invite three people, dead or alive, to dinner. Who would they be and why? Uh, one of them would be Nietzsche, uh, Fedek Nietzsche, because to me, he was 
to me the greatest thinker. Like mm-hmm. when I was 18, I read um, uh, "The Spoke Zarathustra," is uh, is his last book, okay. and. It's hard to explain, but you know, sometimes you read a book and you feel, you feel like they wrote it for you. Yeah. Mm. Yep. That's how it felt to me. I got that with I the Wind of the Willows. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I felt before, like it was written for me. Yeah. Like, I was just going to hang the call up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. That's cool. Second person. <laughs> Um, I think it'd be Charles Munger. I would love to meet that guy. Charles mm. Munger is uh, Warren Buffett's right-hand man. Oh, wow. That's cool. And um, he's actually done a bunch of business lectures for like, you know, business school and stuff like that. But yep. in it, he explains the 20 points of elementary wisdom or how they look at investing. And out of those 20 points, none of them are finance related. He's looking at principles of life. Uh, that he adapted for the finance world and everything. He has actually something, you can find that for free on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's called the uh, elementary, shit, what is it called? Worldly <laughs> Wisdom. Elementary Lessons of Worldly Wisdom by right. Charles Munger. That's cool. Okay. And it's so smart. And it gives you all those 20 points of, you know, of elementary wisdom in life. And none of them have to do with, with finances. And yet that's the way they look at every company they invest into and things like this. That dude is excessively sharp. Yeah, that's mm. interesting. It's I would love to meet him because like when it when it that that PDF that is online, I read that and yeah. you you could take all of it and apply it to training, to coaching. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was it was so sharp, so smart. So I would love to be able to uh, to meet Charles Munger. Yeah, yeah. And I think the the <laughs> third one would be Leonard Siskin, so the the physicist. Yes. A little bit for the same reasons is like he's able to explain things that are so complex in a way that is so accessible. I would like to to pick his brain on how he does that. Like mm. how he got to that level where he can explain it so so well, like in such an accessible way, like the the mindset required, the, the, all, all that stuff. I would like to say that because that's what I would thrive to do is to be able to to have that that kind of a talent at, at making knowledge so accessible. That, mm. is, that is a very, very important talent. Definitely. Wow. That's um, that's a very so the, uh, it's a very switched on dinner party. That's a very switched on dinner party. Yeah, you wouldn't be making too many dick eggs there. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I mean, like I could be yeah. there and make some real shit gag. Yeah, yeah. So guys, yeah, guys could be, they could be surprises. They, they could be surprises. <laughs> yeah. You know, Nish could be a real fucking left to square kind yeah, of. Yeah, just um, a real weirdo. <laughs> um, all right, so. Uh, Julian, thanks, um, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can people um, find out more about StrongFit, more about you, more about your uh, seminars? Okay, so we you can go on strongfit.com. There's all the list over there. Or you can go on uh, the Facebook page at StrongFit or my Instagram at StrongFit1. And actually, I'll be in Australia. So for the 4th, the 4th to the 10th of February, I'll be in Melbourne. For the 11th, 11th to the 17th, I'm in Queensland. Yep. Then a uh, week after that in Sydney, and then the 25th to the 26th I'll be in Wollongong. Wollongong, sorry. Beautiful. New South Wales. Excellent. And so I'll be basically in Australia for the months of February. Awesome. Now you'll be at uh, yep. you'll be at Schwartz CrossFit Melbourne in Melbourne, will you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You exactly. Will. Yep. And then uh, with a mind muscle guy, mind muscle body uh, guy, CrossFit Creature. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna shame I'm gonna miss you because I work there and uh, I'll be overseas, mate. So we'll have to. Uh, <laughs> oh, we'll there you to, go. Cool. We'll, we'll have to shake hands uh, <laughs> when we meet up again later in the year. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to see uh, Australia. 
Uh, and I hear you guys it. have good coffee as well, so I'm happy. You are, you are absolutely going to love it, my friend. It's a yep. perfect time of year to be over here. If you like coffee, then... Uh, if you like girls to- and coffee, yeah, yeah. then uh, yeah, you're on. <laughs> you are, you are all It's in. on. <laughs> all right, well... Awesome. Uh, thanks, thanks so much for taking the time, Julian. Thanks, man. It was a real oh, thank pleasure. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. Awesome. Absolutely. All righty. And, uh, and that's a wrap. All righty, guys. If you enjoyed that show then if you're a first-time listener, please subscribe. If you are a multiple-time listener and you're a subscriber and you haven't left us a rating and review, please do so. Both of those actions really help us climb the iTunes, iTunes rankings and, uh, and also get us more downloads, which helps us grow the show, which helps us keep this thing uh, coming into the future for you with more varied and uh, more awesome guests. Also... If there's anything that you want in the show that you want to look back on, head to www.adventurefittravel.com forward slash radio for all of our show notes. All the links will be in there. Also, don't forget to check out Carve, www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF. Get 10 hours free and audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF for your free audiobook and 30-day audible trial. And lastly, Adventure Travel. Email me directly, doc at adventurefittravel.com if you want to travel the world for free, if you can get a group together. Let's make it happen and uh, see you next week.